just as I thought I was in the clear about six feet from the surface, my boards got ripped. I don't know if it was up or down or left or right. Kind of twisted my leg with the leash and phew, spiral fractured my femur into five pieces over there. Welcome to another episode of A Classic. I'm your host, Jack Acrop, and today's episode is brought to you by Central Coast Waterman. Uh, today, I have a special guest from South Africa, Big Wave Underground Charger, and we've got some some interesting stories to talk about, a couple big waves in Indonesia, Mavericks, and Jaws, and uh, we'll get right into it. Steve Rice, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you having me, and good to connect. It's been a minute. Yeah. No, it's awesome to, to get you on here and have a chat. Um, so are you you born and raised in South Africa? Yeah, spent first about 20 years of my life there. And then the last 10 years, I've just been traveling and been based out of a few different places due to work and waves. And yeah, now I'm settled in, in Maui, still travel a lot for work, but she has home base for now. And looking forward to El Nino, missed out on the last one. So I kind of put all my eggs in this basket and was counting down the years until this one happened. Yeah, man. So, you know, the, the unique thing about big wave surfing is, you know, unless you have the big, you know, title sponsors, you know, a lot of us have to work other jobs. What, what is it that you do to support your passion for big waves currently? I've been working as a yacht captain in the past eight years and working as a professional sailor previous to that. Um, I've even dipped my hands in crabbing when I first met you at Mavs there to support a season out there. But yeah, generally anything in the private maritime industry um, just to keep the fu funds alive to chase waves and chase swells. For a long time, I just worked freelance gigs and just worked enough if it was a week. And that was enough to make money to buy a plane ticket and chase a swell. I would do that or I'd work a couple of months and then go post up somewhere and hopefully score um, but yeah recently i've lucked into the bit of golden handcuffs where i've got a job that allows me to work a third of the month and spend the rest of my time based out of maui training and and surfing out here and then every now and again i'll try to do a trip in between somewhere else just to keep things fresh yeah i gotta keep things fresh man so let's uh, let's get a little bit into what, what was it like growing up in in South Africa. What um, how'd you get into surfing, and how how did you get into specifically into, into big waves? Was it a you know was it did you were you into it right from the beginning, or was it a slow process? You know, can you describe that a little bit? I got into surfing thanks to a friend's birthday party when I was twelve years old, and we all went down and got taught how to surf. And I remember being on this pink soft top and. Yeah, just kept on going back. Uh, I used to be a booger before that. Um, booged since I was like five, six years old and would always be out at way past backline. And my mom was standing on the beach always singing, signaling me in, trying to get me to not be out the back. But yeah, that's where I felt comfortable. And yeah, I was hooked at that birthday party. And I think I'm the only guy that still surfs from that birthday party. The other guys kind of dabbled in it, but... Yeah, my, my mom used to drive me down to the beach on the weekends. We were about like 40 minutes inland um, in Durban. And 
yeah, she told me many years later, she just loved to go gawk over the, the surf instructor, old Sheldon, um, while I was there in the, in the water. And then her best friend's husband, Doug Hay Buchanan, um, was like our uncle to us and uh, became very good friends with his son. And every Sunday he would drive us down to the beach and we'd spend the whole day down there. Um, and we just surf until our hearts were content and come back sunburned and tired and kick and scream on a Monday morning when I had to go back to school. <laughs> fun, fun was over. Yeah. And then as a teenager, I moved to stay with my dad and he was on the coast in Belito, which is a pretty popular surf town, kind of like the Santa Cruz of South Africa, a uh, big party town too. And they have that contest there. And yeah, that's where I was exposed to, to real waves, heavy waves, point breaks, uh, sand bottom point breaks and beach breaks. Um, Durban's pretty protected. It does get heavy, but it's pretty protected. Um, and then Chris Coates, who came like my next uncle that took care of me, he got me into the bigger stuff. One day there was a WQS contest, like a 10,000. It used to be the Gunston 500, and then it became the Mr. Price Pro. Now it's the Bleeder Pro. And we had this like biggest swell we've seen on the coast, cleanest, biggest and cleanest swell we've seen on the coast. And they moved the contest to this little bay called Tunney Manor, which used to be a secret spot until they blew it up, <laughs> putting a QS there. It was the only place that could handle that size swell on the coast. And yeah, I went to Chris and I was jokingly said like, Hey, can, should we go surf? And he's like, yeah, like, let's do it. It's on. And I was like, Oh boy, what, like, what did I get myself into? Um, so I went and put on my little wetsuit and had a 5'11". And I think I had a thicker leash. I had like an eight foot leash for some reason. I can't remember why or how I borrowed it. And yeah, you got to jump off the rocks and like, there's no chance we were making it out. We had the guy who's head of the sharks board, which is the guys who do all the shark nets there on the hill with binoculars and a radio. And he was spotting for us, telling us when there was a gap to jump. And we jumped and we got smoked. Um, but we're still trying to paddle out. And Damon Pneumaticus, who was running water safety, came and scooped us on the, me on the first on the ski and dropped me away on the outside and then picked up Chris and then went to drop Chris on the inside. Um, like right on the takeoff spot. And now I had to paddle over to Chris, which was intimidating enough. There was the biggest barrels I'd seen up until that point. Could drive a school bus in there, no problem. Just rifling down this beautiful sand bottom point break. And Chris, the first set came through and Chris spun and went on the first one. And I didn't know this, but he just got stuck on the lip and went straight over the falls. And I said, hell, no, I'm not staying out of here. I'm not staying out here by myself. Like, I'm, I'm spinning on the next one. And I just spun and I took off. And there was like a backwash on the wave. And I disconnected and landed uh, a little bit down the face and reconnected my board. And my feet slipped forward. So I couldn't really engage a, a bottom turn. And look, was like looking up and kind of angled a little bit. And the thing just rifled off. And bear in mind, I'm on a 5.11 and this is like a four or five times overhead wave for me at the time when I was 15. 
and the thing just yeah rifled uh, and i ended up about um, almost a mile down the beach and was just shaking with adrenaline took the rest of the set on my head and walked back up the beach and i got shown a picture straight away by the local photographer and i was just mind blown and Chris was all amped to go back out, but I was like, no, no, like I had enough, like I'm, I'm good. I didn't know he wiped out straight away. So his ego was a little bit bruised. I think he wanted to get one because he's like the, the main man out there on the North Coast. Um, and that hooked me, that feeling, that feeling of adrenaline just coursing through your veins was like just set the tone. Um, and yeah, we'd have some bigger days growing um on the coast but nothing like they have in cape town and i was just unfortunate didn't have any connections for big boards and guidance down there so i had a few sessions at out of calm which is like your first entry level big wave it's this big rolling left-hander you would love it um but i didn't have anybody to take me out to crayfish factory to take me out of sunset to take me out of dungeons but yeah i was had a little savings fund. I would like deposit cash and coins in there. It's an old dive mask box. And I was holding my breath in the pool every day by myself alone with a weight belt. Super dangerous. But <laughs> you don't know that when you're 16, 17 years old. You're just frothing. Uh, yeah, any big day I was on the coast, I was geared to go. And yeah, pushed as much as I could push there. But, you know, there's there's limits to the size of waves we were exposed to. Yeah, well, and I, and I feel like you know, that, that first experience could have gone a number of different ways. You know, a lot of times you can have an experience like that and get traumatized and not want to surf with big waves, but it, it sounds like it, it did the opposite for you. It, it made you fascinated by it and maybe want to, want to work towards, you know, getting, getting more fit and being comfortable in big waves. So do you think that was a, like a driving force in, into, you know, traveling to Jaws, traveling to Mavericks and getting into big surf? Yeah, that that was the bug that bit me was like chasing that feeling. You know, I try to chase it other ways as a teenager, downhill skateboarding, partying, but it it didn't it didn't do it. It's just there's a feeling you get from the ocean when you're you there's no reason for you to come out on top, but you come out alive. Um, and you know, we we got all the magazines, we got all the pictures of Mavs and Jaws and the guys growing up and all the Santa Cruz guys there at Mavs and all the Hawaiian guys at, at Jaws and it was big time toe, toe scene at that point, um, especially at Jaws. And all of that just fascinates you as a kid in South Africa, like wondering about these places that are on the other side of the world that it's such a focal point. Um, and there used to be a an uh, strapped edit that was released on youtube like i didn't get any of the strapped videos of lad and them towing jaws because it just wasn't available but there was like a three minute clip that i used to watch even before as soon as i got into surfing i must have been like 12 13 and i would watch this clip like on repeat every night just as youtube came out like right in the beginning and it's just so infatuating you know those two waves to look at they're just so appealing and they're they're beautiful and raw and dangerous and intimidating in their own ways you, they're not comparable they're just they're two separate entities and you 
you ride them different, you approach them different, the wipeout's different, my boards are different, everything is is different, but there's yeah, there the two peaks up there that you wanna see see how high up you can get. Yeah, and I mean that's awesome, man. And I, I think that's one of the unique things about big waves is as you just touched on that, you know, no two big waves are the same. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to hear about some of these, you know, we've got a, a few waves to, to talk about today. And uh, the first one's going to be in Indonesia. So first of all, I've never been to Indonesia. What's Indonesia like? To me, Indonesia seems like a lot more slab, shallow reef. And, and to me, that's scarier than the deep water stuff, right? Because it's, you know, you're dealing with more impact hitting shallow reef. Um, and it's, it's a different preparation. So yeah, what's what's Indonesia like? What are some of the waves that you've surfed over there? So I've only ever been to the Mentawai Islands. I uh, got really lucky and ended up house sitting there for three months, uh, just near Tupajet, the capital there, and the waves around there are like telescopes and ice lands. And, yeah, there was an amazing run of swell at the end of this three months that I was there um, in 2018, and it was like 12 days of 10 foot plus surf every day and Gideon Malherbe has been out there forever who called him the Oracle he's got a land camp there just is at 50 so dialed in so polished and just had it myself and Twig showed up he always pops up in different places when the swell's <laughs> good and it was the three of us and he just had us dialed in and just surfing waves that I was shown or heard stories about and rights and lefts and slabs and deep water waves too and yeah it was just mind-boggling the power and the perfection and you know how heavy those waves were a lot of them were pretty shallow but there was a couple of deep water waves and parts of the reef that you never see act light up you know i didn't see them light up in three months of swell after swell after swell and then all of a sudden you know things just kind of emerge out of nowhere when this swell is big enough um and then watching twigs approach and how good of a barrel rider he is and paddling out to a new wave for the first time and figuring out that three square foot takeoff zone that just lets you in and just working smart and not working hard and yeah, I still had that young, dumb, gung-ho mentality at the time and definitely centered on a few. Uh, had a few wipeouts too, got dragged across the reef a couple of times and yeah, just kept on going back out. I remember when I finally got on the overnight ferry because I kept on delaying and delaying and delaying my flight. And I was just covered in scrapes and scratches and staff had set in and yeah, just washed up in the little cabin I had on the ferry and sat on my bed and just giggled and lay back and was like, whoa, what did I just experience? And yeah, then had a long travel back to the the States to try and make some money again to get ready for winter. But there were days out there that I was laughing to myself. I just couldn't believe how good waves can actually be like what you draw on a school book as a kid or what you see in boat trips or clips that you watch growing up or surf movies and 
nobody out or two or three guys out who live on the island that you know and you know it's it's hard to pick off the best waves when there's nobody to compete with because you're kind of overexcited is there a was there any any session in particular that um, really stood out on that trip any I, I know you mentioned that the whole trip was pretty amazing but was there any one particular particular wave or particular session that you'd like to touch on yeah there was there was a day at this right hand slab that i kept on being told stories about kept on being told stories about showing where it was kind of seen one wave kind of do its thing but yeah we went there the one day and it was just oil glass eight foot high eight foot wide and picture perfect and the the end set it would break it would hit like a bommy on the outside and then go into like a deep gully and then come and hit this uh tabletop reef and just go square over the reef and it would just run and run and run it's uh if you've ever heard a lot of people have heard of that wave apocalypse but that wave kind of runs off at the end where this wave doesn't this wave's it's got a little shallow end section that can crumble on you or, or close out or go dry, but it's it's really makeable. For me, it's like my little right-hand version of Chopes almost. Not as perfect, but pretty damn close. And I got a couple of really good ones. Um, definitely caught one where the guys on the boat were like, don't go on that one. Like, dude, you're going to be in a body bag. And yeah, I managed to pull it off and got some epic shots from that. Got some crazy visions, got some scars as well. Um, but just watching, just watching Twig out there and Gideon out there, just, you know, experience pays off. It really does. You know, there's, there's natural talent, but then you can't deny experience. And yeah, that was definitely the, the day of days, one of the best days of surfing I've ever had and ever witnessed. And yeah, I would, I would give up a lot to have a day like that again. Was there was there any one wave in particular that really stands out that you could kind of kind of run us through a little bit? Yeah, there was. It was like this big froamy froth monster that took off on kind of one of the later waves in the set that came through, and yeah, I just took off and couldn't really knife it. I kind of had to go like straight and bottom turn around and came up from the foam and just like stood in this real big frothy mean barrel and yeah just the the view from that but you know not like coming up real casual into it and then really holding on like digging the toes into the wax and just getting drained through all the way to the inside was was special just yeah it's just like a way that you were holding on the whole time you weren't comfortable you know that it's the ones that you didn't think you were going to make always the best ones it wasn't your average beach break where you come out and just get ready for the next one, right? It's maybe no, one of those where you're done and you're sitting in the channel going, well, maybe I'll go back out. I might be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so from your experience, what's what's more terrifying, the, the, the shallow water reefs or like a deeper, deeper wave like Mavericks? I wouldn't say one's more terrifying than the other. You know, it's taking off and being able to see the bottom or taking off seeing the bottom of what's underneath the wave or taking off on a wave and not being able to see the bottom of the wave. Uh, to me, they're both 
they're both that intimidating that I, I couldn't choose between one or the other, you know, to which one put strikes more fear into me. They both do, but how you at, react in that situation and overcome that fear is, is what's part of the thrill, the feeling that we all chase, I believe. Yeah, absolutely, man. So you've, you've, you've spent some time over at Mavs. I know, uh, there was that really magical year, 2021, I believe when we had that yeah. run where it was about a, where we had that month and a half. Yeah. 4th of December to like 60, 18th of Jan. I think I had my last session out there. Yeah. Just non-stop two, three souls a week surfing like three to five times a week out at Mavs. It was just insane. And the winds were so good. Yeah, I really, really developed my connection and love for that wave then. Um, I came over for Thanksgiving swell before that and got skunked, north winds. Try to convince my buddies to come up with me back to Ocean Beach, but they were all frothing to surf Mavs. It was their first time. Went back to Florida where I was working at the time and I was working as an engineer on a boat for a friend and was all down and out and upset and saw the forecast kind of moped around in bed for a few days over the weekend and yeah i was just trying to figure out how i can quit my job and go back for the next run of swell and yeah eventually i just left it to the last minute and i said to my buddy like hey i'm sorry like i gotta go like and he was so understanding about it i really respect him for that he's like yeah i knew this day would come i appreciate you like i'll get you squared away with your last paycheck and you, you can get out of here and I was like, thanks, buddy, because like, flights are booked and i got to go to the airport in like two hours. <laughs> Cheers. And yeah, I came and got settled, stayed with my good friend Jason Stock for a while. And then Ben Andrews took me under his wing and he let me stay on his uh, fishing boat for the winter, which was insane home base. And we crabbed together, which was quite the experience. Definitely not ever going back to crabbing. We'll much stick to my side of the industry. Crabbing is a pretty gnarly job and pretty treacherous conditions. Um, I got off easy though. I got to drive a lot of the time. I had that had more background driving boats than putting crab pots. But that as soon as I came back on the fourth, I got an epic wave on the ball. I paddled out from the left. And just kind of snuck my way right into prime position and yeah i got a really good one on a new board and that kind of lit things up and a few days about a week later a few no a few days later we had that insane day where it was just like 20 25 foot on the ball and breaking off the outer ledge too um and i just went and sat there and didn't really get a wave in the morning the first session and then kind of went back out and caught caught a bit of a straight hand to close out on the ball and then went back and sat on the outside with twig and mel and Bromdog and kai and ian walsh and yeah my, my wave came through on the outer ledge and twig called me into it and just put my head down and went and i kind of visually visualized this wave for a few years and knew that there was going to be a, a step hop like a ledge halfway going down so brace for that ledge but then there was like another ledge and i was like what this is this is not what i pictured and made it over the other ledge and yeah try to 
set set my rail to bottom turn around, but the thing just rifled off, and there was no chance. And after that, I got picked up by um, Tim West on the ski, and asked him to drop me back on the boat immediately. I was like, "That's it, I'm done. Like, I got I got my good one." And we were going to go to Todos the next day, which is a whole nother story. But I regret not staying out and surfing more that day because I was trying to save myself for Todos and we got a little bit skunked at Todos and got, got hassled by the Federales and got hassled by US immigration coming back in. I had a, a full ringer there. But yeah, that that wave was was real special for me just being able to visualize a wave for a couple of years and knowing what it's going to do and it doing you know all of that and more and being able to catch a wave from the outer ledge somewhere that you know really breaks and people really catch them from but when it does it's it's such an amazing wave the waves are just so tall and you're so deep you're just looking down and it was just like a big long steep mountain but the bottom of it where you fell, if you fell, was just, your chances got real slim to survive. You could survive it, no problem. I've seen people fall there and pop up. But yeah, just the, the consequence of where you were taking off was really high. But the reward was just as high. Yeah, and for people that are, that are listening that aren't, aren't familiar, the, you know, the, can you describe the outside bowl, the outside ledge of, of Mavericks as opposed to you know, the main bowl where, where, you know, we see most of the photos where it all kind of that energy comes and breaks right in that, you know, that, that pinnacle of the wave. What's the, what's the outer bowl and kind of when does that start to start to start to awaken, so to speak? Yeah, I want to say when it's like solid 20, 25 foot, then, you know, Hawaiian style, South African, we call it the exact same way. 50, just, 50 foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it's on the face, yeah, we just caught the exact same way as the Hawaiians. We just don't know what a foot is growing up with the metric systems. <laughs> Our scale's off, but yeah. Um, it's just a an outer ledge that the wave will hit and stand up on and break, and it does give you a much easier entry in, um, but the drop-down's a lot longer and can be... A lot more intimidating, I find, because it's just a longer way down. It's like, you know, what's scarier to jump off the, the three-meter diving board or the five-meter diving board? You know, looking down over the edge of the five-meter, it's a little bit scarier, you know, but it's, <laughs> it's the same thing. Um, and that where it breaks down the outer ledge, you can set up for a really amazing ride across and traverse across the bowl which is all the ultimate power of Mavericks. Just, it's all focused there on that, that inner bowl where there's another patch of reef. And to, to take off there, you, it, it just takes a little bit more, I feel, for me, you know, not for everybody else, but it takes a little bit more mind games, a little bit more preparation in oneself to be like, you know what, I'm going to go sit out the back there in La La Land, I like to call it, and I'm going to commit. When my one comes my way, I'm, I'm going to commit, and I'm, I'm going to do the best I can to get across it and ride through the ball and pull off in the channel. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've only been out there a, a couple times to you know on, on one of those one of the bigger days that that January, but yeah, it seems that's a good way to put it, La La Land, because it feels like you you really have to kind of know which waves are going to do it, huh? Because some of them, yeah, if I, you don't pick the right one, will actually not give you that chip in, and you'll end up free falling into the <laughs> into the impact zone. So. It definitely takes yeah. a little bit of a skill, right? Understanding, you know, which wave's going to do it and, and then committing fully to that. And also being, when you're sitting out there and you don't line up there, you know, you're trying to figure out pinpoints and lineups and references. And, you know, that's when you start looking at the more experienced guys out there and seeing, okay, he's sitting here, he's looking at this sort of a wave and what can I line up as a transit for this on you know, the hill to the east and then and then like the Montara area to the north and, you know, where's the buoy as well? We're like looking back at the guys sitting up on the ball, sitting in on the ball and where are they sitting and trying to gauge some, some new reference points, but you're not confident in them. You're like, okay, well, he's confident. He's been here, you know, surfing for 30, 40 years, but, you know, this is my first time out here, like, out in La La Land, you know. But so, yeah, it was it was a special day to be out there and to to get one out the back. So I'm I'm looking forward to the next time it breaks, and hopefully that's this winter. Yeah, well, we're we're gearing up for it's supposed to be an El Nino winter. We've already gotten some big swells, and yeah, do you have any do you have any big goals for this winter? As far as you know, since we're talking about Mavericks, any any big goals for Mavericks if it does decide to light up? If you could go back and do it again, are there, are there some things you'd like to like to accomplish? Yeah, I definitely want to get a couple from the outer ledge all the way into the channel. For um, if the day if the day's on it, and really seize a day like we had that one December day. Um, and then I'm trying some new fin fin theories out of Mavs, so we're gonna see how that pays off for me. So I've got a certain approach. There, where I find myself very deep and very often caught behind the section, and yeah, riding a two plus one setup. So that's a bigger traditional single fin, about six inches, and then two little side bites of about 3.75 inches to try to give me that thruster feeling I like out there and the projection from the flats out back up the face because the, that lip lands, it really disperses that foam and that foam kind of traps you behind it when you're trying to get around i feel so and the the times that i have ridden single fins uh places like waimea for example man you just have way less drag getting down the face but you know even paddling into the wave you have less drag underneath yourself but i, I like that traditional thruster feel um just something on the side to catch that rail especially when you're trying to knife it um, or putting weight on the back foot um, or even if, you, if you're doing a lot of sticking if you become disconnected and you catch again so that sense of fin doesn't buck you off which i find riding smaller single fins i get bucked off every now and again if i don't execute perfectly what's your experience with uh quads do you like do you like them in a spot like mavericks or do you prefer the prefer a thruster prefer the thruster at mavs i kind of look at it like Mavs is a, you know, a big half pipe and you're dropping down that half pipe 
and you're going to kind of reach max terminal velocity at the bottom. And I want something that doesn't have a max terminal velocity, um, which I find just the thrust is the center fin does drag, and I, that's why I've kind of gone for the single fin and the two side bites. I feel I've had one way this season out there on that setup, and it feels really good. Um, and then I feel like a wave like jaws, quads really come into play because you're not going straight down to the bottom. You traversing across the face of the wave and those quads are going to constantly accelerate 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 um, and you're really just taking off the rail trying to set your line immediately you know halfway up the face or off the takeoff and make make to the channel you know as steep as you can in the in the barrel if not in the pocket yeah so 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 mavericks thruster Somewhere like Jaws, where it's more down the line, you're you're going with the quad. What's what's what sort of boards are you are you running these days? What what is your ideal setup for a place like Mavericks? I've been a long time devoted Lyle man. Um, I've got some Lyles in the works. He makes a, a real good old school but new school board, and they just like you can just stick your back foot down and stomp the takeoff every time. Um, and then I also ordered some beautiful boards from Mike Wallace. And that's where we went for the two plus one setup, a nine four and a nine ten. And then for jaws, I've got a nine four and a nine eight from Sean Ordonez. And those are strict quads. So yeah, like just a little bit of variety and you know my Mavs boards are for Mavs and they live at Mavs and Jaws boards are for Jaws and they live at Jaws and you know yeah you could interchange them but I don't want to you know specifically made boards for my approach at those waves and worked with the shapers there so uh, I'm looking forward to putting some time in on them this season and giving some feedback and you know, fine-tuning them for next season. That's awesome, man. Well, let's let's uh, let's get into Jaws a little bit. So you're you're living on Maui right now, correct? Yeah, living on Maui. Been coming here since 2017, and kind of been coming back religiously, and ended up living here since I got hurt. Uh, I got hurt November 2021. Broke my femur real bad told that story a, a few times but yeah I swam under a big wave and made it through the back and just as I thought I was in the clear about six feet from the surface my boards got ripped I don't know if it was up or down or left or right but kind of twisted my leg with the leash and phew, ripped it straight up and a spiral fractured my femur into five pieces over there and proceeded to get dragged underwater um, and then when the first wave was done with me I was able to pull my, the pin on my leash and get my leash off. And then the second one broke on my head and pushed me deeper. And I crossed my legs to stabilize my, my femur. And then I pulled my vest, my vest malfunctioned. I pulled it again and it kind of engaged. And thank goodness I had flotation, some uh, impact suit underneath. And that brought me to the surface. Got picked up. I couldn't get picked up by our first safety driver, Nano because uh, I was in a wave really close, so I kind of just ducked through a little insider, and then Pepe got me on the second ski. 
got me on the sled. My leg was just jelly. And, yep, managed to try and get back to our boat. Dan Goldberg from PIE Yuhui was head of safety for us and transferred the sled onto the boat. And Kuramana was there to help. And the Welsh brothers were there to help. And guys got the fire department waiting for me at Maliko. And drove the boat in, like, ridiculously close to the boat ramp. It's closing out in there. And Tanner, Wait, one of my best buds, and a few other guys from the boat swam me in. And then the fire department picked me up, put me on a jet ski trailer, got me on a backboard. Ambulance arrived, got me an ambulance, got me to the hospital. And, yeah, I had surgery there. Spent four months here doing my rehab at Deep to Peak and left for a little bit, had to get out the country, and then came back for summer. Left for a couple of months to work, came back for winter, and then kind of just decided to get a place here. And just been going back and forth between work and being back here to train and enjoying other things on the ocean, paddling, foiling, diving, etc. And just, yeah, giving myself more more variety because Maui is definitely the place to do it. And I know the wave of my life or the wave that I want is Alchiat Jaws. And if you, if you want to feel comfortable, you want to wake up in your own bed up the road and go surf in the morning and not fly overnight on a red eye and be scrambling to get everything ready and, re- and everything organized to try perform the next day on a, on a half, a half full tank. Well, and that's, and you make a good point there. Um, I often find myself, um, you know, if Jaws is going to be good and, and I do have the funds to go over, I often find myself being a little wary of flying over, surfing a swell and then taking the red eye back to Mavericks. I know a lot of guys like to do that, but yeah, I've done that plenty of times, but it's a, it's a different experience, huh? Going you yeah. know, through the night with no sleep or, I mean, on a plane, who can really sleep on a plane unless you get your own row? So it's, yeah, I'm sure it's nice to, to be in your bed, you know, have your nutrition, have your hydration, have your safety ready, have a plan, right? I mean, that's really big with, it seems like, especially the, these days, and, you know, organizations like Piahi who are doing a really good job at that. Yeah, at facilitating people who don't have the contacts in the local base to come out here and reach out and to make sure that they're taken care of so everybody's taken care of. Um, I got real lucky and teamed up with Izzy Gomez last winter. I surfed Mavs last winter, but I held off surfing Jaws. I just I wanted another another year and to make sure I put enough time in that I feel confident and I ran safety for her last year and that was nice being on the other side and getting to know the wave more intimately from a different angle and watch waves that you don't see if you're sitting on the North Peak, for example, you know. Watch what the guys are doing on the West Bowl and watching the approach and, you know, spending a lot of time in the foam, but on top of the foam on a ski and not in the foam, trying to keep your head above water. Yeah. So is there is there a particular wave you're looking for when you're out at a place like Peahi? Is there a wave you've you've caught in so far or a wave you'd like to catch? I know it's a you know it's uh, different and different to Mavericks, but also similar in the fact that it's very dynamic and there's different takeoff spots and people sit in different areas, different swell directions. So what are, what are you looking for when, at a place like Peahi? 
Yeah, if if you're not looking for barrel outed jaws, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're out there. You get mowed that's down. What, yeah, that's what we're all looking for. Um, I've had a good, I've had a couple of good waves. No, haven't haven't got the vision out there yet. Um, definitely rehearsed it in my head multiple multiple times. Um, I actually fell a few years ago on what could have been that wave. Um, paddled into like a really big double up and there was multiple ledges and over like the second or third ledge my foot just slipped off the wax and went forwards and just went like diving for lobster over the handlebars that wave still haunts me i'm like damn it that that would have been the one but you know if you if you get it too too early on you don't want to work for it you know yeah so i think it's good to be teased and tempted for a long time and just makes the reward that much sweeter yeah they are Amazing talented surfers that come out there on their first session. They're packing one on the West Bowl. But, uh, you know, if you've changed your lifestyle, you've changed your location, you've worked your career around being able to fund to live in a place like this, where you do have the world's premier big wave that you know you can get the ride of your life. You know it's out there. You just got to wait for that wave to roll in with your name on it. Uh, that reward's going to be pretty sweet, you know. Um, I surfed it for the first time over Thanksgiving this year. I just got a couple of waves towing the first day. And that was kind of my my easy in back into it to, like, let the nerves let the nerves go. Um, and then the next day I was a lot smaller and went to mess around towing again. But it was, it was a nice way to just break the ice. And, you know, it's like, reintroduce yourself like hey i'm back like you know i got my lickings it's it's part of it it's not when uh, if you're gonna get hurt it's when you're gonna get hurt surfing big waves you know same as if you're riding motocross if you're downhill skating if you're skydiving it doesn't matter what adrenaline sport you're chasing it's just a matter of time you know the more repetitions the more odds of injury so i'm just stoked to be here and you know grateful to be a guest on this island and reminded that it is home now and see all my friends that i've developed here i got a real close group of friends that have really taken care of me and made me feel like home and you know, it's a it's a real special place with a special energy here and yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't not i would go i wouldn't want to go through breaking my leg all over again but i wouldn't change it you know it's it's part of the journey that we we go through and you want to if you want what you really want you gotta you gotta sacrifice for it you know absolutely man well it seems like you have a really good game plan going into the winter um you know i, I really like that i think you know it's easy to want that quick fix right of, of yeah. i'm gonna go to jaws and i'm gonna catch the fucking barrel of my life but i mean yeah. in reality that's just that's a recipe for disaster in a lot of <laughs> senses right I mean, obviously, people people are able to pull that off, but you know, for the vast vast majority of people, I think it's you know it's important, like you said, to take your time and, and get to know a wave and like you know establish a, a relationship with that wave, start to figure out how it works. So, it seems yeah. like you have a a good plan, man. Yeah, just definitely putting put my eggs in the the jaws of Maz basket. I've been over to Nazareth, I've caught some waves there. I think it's an epic wave, but 
the relationship that I have here and what I want to achieve. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy with with these two for now. You know, there's yeah, I've got some amazing waves in South Africa. There's freaking kitten waves all over the world, but you know, when winter rolls around, I've decided just just keep it simple. There's a reason why they are the premier waves. You know, you, I go to I go to Half Moon Bay. I feel like I'm at home. Can navigate around, nowhere to go. Got clothes, boards, wetsuits stashed there at friends' houses. People take such good care of me. I'm so grateful for the community there and the community out here in Maui. Um, just you know, the hospitality that everybody shows you uh, means a lot when you when you're far away from home. You know, so well your home country, but not just your home. Um, I think if I dug a hole here and I kept on digging, I might end up in South Africa because it's a 12-hour difference from from where I am right now. So that's kind of got to be on the other side of the world, right? Well, right on, Steve. Well, it's been it's been it's been a joy chatting with you, man. Um, you know, we had a lot of fun, and like I was saying, 2021 in, in Mavericks, yeah. and I look forward to to getting some more waves with you here in the the near future. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add to this podcast? Any other stories or anything like that? Yeah, the the eighty swell last year at Jaws was was mind boggling, just absolutely mind boggling. Seeing you know fifty to seventy foot face barrels rifling from the top of the point all the way down, just was life-changing after that i went and ordered a tow board (laughs) i was like i'm not going to be stuck on the ski and when that day rolls around again i'm going to be ready for that day um and then to facilitate helping izzy get a couple of waves of her life sean lopez and victor lopez driving for her and me running safety and teaming up with them was a real special moment. Um, just, you know, Victor pioneer, being a pioneer out there with water safety. And all of his and Sean's experience combined, I just learned so much that day. And then to, to get your your partner on, to have somebody else tow your, you know, your surf and safety partner onto like the wave of their life and watch, watch them get barreled across the, the West Bowl was was real special, so was was super stoked to be a part of that and just be out there in that day. And I remember as we were leaving, there was a seventy foot wave, that, this lump of water that rolled through, and Yuri towed into it, and it was a monster. And I actually, we were already like way out the back, and I just saw it and organizing the ski and threw everything back in the hatch quickly, and we just turned and burned and just drove over the shoulder and just like peered down looking over the edge and yeah seeing seeing waves that big that are perfect i've seen waves that big before but just seeing waves that big that are perfect and makeable was was in another realm it's pretty pretty magical place piahi huh yeah no they 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 all are you know the bathymetry and the storm that needs to form and the wind and the tide and Everything that needs to come together from nature's side to put a day like that is, you know, it's, it's, it's rare, but it's possible. And if it's happened once, it can happen again. It might not be the same. It might be better. It might be worse. It might be bigger. It might be smaller. 
but you know it can't happen again. When it could happen this season, going into going into El Nino. Yeah, we'll see. There's a lot of hype, but we're yeah. just just waiting patiently. You know, the weather's been real bad here in Maui, but I'm happy for it to be bad. Just let that bad weather blow through, and hopefully, when the swells roll around, which is looking pretty soon, the the wind will sort itself out, and sun will come back out again. And yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, yeah. uh, I'll be ready and I'm waiting. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing all my, my friends come over and seeing my friends from out here get some waves. That's awesome, man. So did you, you ended up ordering yourself a towboard? Yeah, yeah. I've got a ride at the, uh, on Thanksgiving for the first time. Got one from Sean Ordinez and mm. yeah, it's just a magic rocket and just waiting, waiting for that day again. Just get my prep in, get my practice in dial myself in and yeah that, that day will come that's awesome man well i really appreciate you coming on steve um yeah had to wanted to have this conversation for a while so yeah thanks for all your input and uh yeah be sure to give give steve a follow on instagram check him out he's a wild man and uh just overall really great dude with uh, a great philosophy behind surfing and uh yeah thanks for thanks for tuning in guys Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Hope you enjoyed a little talk story with Jackie Boy. Jackie Boy. Right on, Steve. I'll see you soon.